0: To get the most out of your career as a physician, you need an employment contract that supports you. Unfortunately, most contracts do not initially include everything you need to be successful. Employers draft contracts with their best interests in mind, but the terms that benefit your employer are rarely as valuable to you. Before signing an employment contract, you should always make sure your salary, bonuses, paid time off, and other terms are fair. Resolve is the one and only place you can get live salary data so you know exactly what's happening in your specialty at all times. The best part is that data is verified from real physician contracts. With access to data on what physicians like you are earning, you know when you are being underpaid and can confidently ask for what you deserve. In addition to providing data, They are the number one firm specializing in physician employment contracts. They work with every specialty nationwide. At Resolve, you get connected with an experienced attorney who will work with you one-on-one to ensure you sign with confidence. Your attorney will take your priorities into account, address your concerns, make suggestions, and help you strategize for any negotiations. They can even negotiate with an employer on your behalf. So whether you are a seasoned attending or just finishing training, Resolve is here to support you every step of the way. Visit resolve.com to learn more and discover how to sign your ideal employment contract. Resolve, your trusted partner for physician contract review negotiations and salary data. Financial Residency is proud to bring you Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. Each week, Tammy Krause explores a new topic related to achieving financial independence by building and protecting your wealth. She invites guests who are experts in their fields, who will share honest and valuable advice on a variety of topics. If you have an idea for a podcast, please email Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-Y at financialresidency.com. Now grab your front row seat to this week's Grand Rounds.
1: and welcome back to Grand Rounds. As physicians, we are very busy and don't always have a lot of time for active investments that require a lot of time or energy, which is why that buzz phrase, passive income, has become so popular on all of the physician investing sites that so many of us frequent. There's also been an uptake in the interest among physicians for real estate investing. And so we've actually had quite a few shows recently about real estate investing, passive income, syndications, that kind of thing. And in that vein, I have asked Dr. Steve Sue to join us today to educate us more about passive investing and syndications. He's not only an ophthalmologist, but he is also the author of Avoiding Rookie Errors as a Left-Field Investor and one of the original founders of Left-Field Investors. Welcome to the show, Steve.
2: Thanks for having me on, Tammy.
1: I'm so excited. So you were telling me that you actually kind of got into this just for personal investing and then you made some mistakes. You actually wrote a book about your mistakes, and then you joined up with some friends and came up with this group to help others kind of get started and be successful in the arena. Can you tell us a little bit more other than my little synopsis about you and and what's going on here?
2: Oh, sure. Yeah, I can kind of go back to my investing history, if you will. I was back in the late 90s and early 2000, I kind of thought of myself as a a night trader, not a day trader, because I was working full-time as a physician. I still do. And I thought I was a genius because I was anything I bought on the stock market was going up, like everybody else probably thought too. And then the stock market crashed in 2000, 2001. And this is maybe not the right thing for me to be doing on my own. So I read Rich Dad Poor Dad like a lot of people have read in the past. And that kind of got my wheels turning and thinking, oh, maybe real estate is not a bad way to go. And so I read a lot of books about real estate, listened to a lot of podcasts and webinars and and that kind of thing. So I thought, well, maybe I should look into real estate. So my first foray into real estate was buying our office condo where I practice, and we still own that to this day. That was back in around 2005. My practice partner and I bought this office condo and it's been nice paying rent to ourselves. So that's a, that's a nice bonus. I did get into some single family, I bought one single family home, a duplex and a fourplex. It was kind of hit or miss with that. I just generally didn't like being a landlord for small residential units. It, even though I had a full-time property manager, he was, you know, they would still bother me a lot during the day and whatnot. I felt like, well, you know, that's why I'm hiring you to make these decisions. So I just didn't really like that. i I also didn't like the fact that I personally couldn't really scale it very well. You know, you get to apply for loans and, and that kind of thing for your, for the mortgages and just had like problems with tenants. And the and, and even though, like I said, even though I had a property manager, some of these tenants were really great tenants. And so every time they would leave or, or the lease would be up, they would trash the place and then we would have to put money into it. And so all the money that we did make the year before just was almost came back down to zero in in many cases. So it was very frustrating. So I did more research into other types of real estate investing and I found something called syndications, which is becoming more and more popular these days, especially since there's a lot of crowdfunding platforms out there like Realty Mogul and Yield Street and those kinds of things. I've been doing a lot of private syndication investing for about the past 14, I think now about 15 years. So this is a niche that I really enjoyed because it, once you do all the studying up front on the sponsor and the deal, you just sit back and just kind of watch your bank account or watch your checks come in. So it's been a nice way to diversify my investable money. I still have a lot of money in my 401k, but I thought that outside of that, I should do a lot of these real estate syndications and it has proven to be a good way to diversify my money. Anyways, it certainly has not come without a lot of lessons learned. So I'll just leave it at that. And you can kind of take it where you want, I guess, from here.
1: Well, I know in your book, I think it was 20 lessons you've learned over the 14 years of investing. Can you talk about some of the you know, mistakes you've made or maybe trying to figure out where to get the right information or some of the things that you've talked about in your book?
2: Yeah. I, I, let me just go back to my first syndication investments. Those were around 2009, 2010. I'm not even sure I even knew what the term syndication was when I invested with these. I, I went to a, re- a local real estate meeting and someone uh, was talking about this oil and gas syndication that they were doing. And he's talking about how we could be these a limited partner and we can invest with them and get some nice tax breaks. And uh, actually with oil and gas, you can actually become a, a general partner temporarily, but and get really big, nice tax breaks off your active income. But anyway, so I was kind of drawn into that and then I looked at the pro forma um, returns and they looked really nice. And so I said, hey, let's go ahead and do this. And so I did. And then after a couple of months, I started getting some maybe a few hundred dollar checks. This is kind of nice. And there was another oil well that came about and they said, well, we're trying to raise money for this one. So I invested more money to that one. And every few months I would do this. And I ended up doing five of these investments with this one syndicator. And then the checks started getting smaller and smaller or non-existent. And then the communication started to peter out. And then pretty soon I was getting nothing. And then the next thing I hear is that, that they went bankrupt. And so I lost all my money. So other than that, a few checks that I was getting over the couple of years, I lost all my money in those five syndications. And certainly I was kicking myself because of it. I guess I did get some tax breaks, but still that was just not a good start with the syndication investing. So that really made me a little gun shy. And along the way, during that time and afterwards, I was actually looking into doing some of those single family or smaller residential investments. And that became frustrating as well. So to make a long story short on that, just to finish up the oil and gas debacle, a few years after that, I learned that it was essentially a Ponzi scheme. So they were just taking more and more investors money. And then it ended up, they were just using the money that was funding those to give us some returns to kind of make us happy. And then eventually that just kind of went out and then we all lost our money. So fast forward a few years after my foray to uh, being an active landlord. I said, well, this is not really for me. I'm working full-time as an ophthalmologist and I just don't have time to be doing this. So I decided to look further into syndication investing. And so I said, well, let me look around. And there weren't any forums for passive investing and in syndications. There weren't that many podcasts about syndication investing. So it was just kind of haphazardly just Googling and looking on bigger pockets and that kind of thing to try to find syndicators. So stumbled upon another syndicator and started investing money with that one. And again, to make a long story short, that, that foray was wasn't really good either because it, uh, I'm still in some of those deals six, seven years later and and really have not made much money with them. So I'm sure the audience at this point is thinking, why am I going to invest in syndications? Well, <laughs> Around 2018 or so, 2019, I really, really got serious about my education. In 2020, we started, some friends and I started a group called Field Investors, which was used for networking and education in the syndication space because that was certainly lacking at that time. There are more groups and certainly a lot more podcasts about syndication syndications at this time. So there's a lot of different types of avenues you can go down to educate yourself about syndication. So anyways, you asked about any lessons I've learned. Well, I guess the first lesson that I should talk about is just investing in yourself before investing in syndications. Just like anything, if you're going to invest in the stock market, you should probably know something about that. At least I know you can certainly get a financial advisor and that kind of thing, but I think you still need to know a little bit about how stock the stock market works, how the bond market works, because you're putting your money into there and you're putting your trust into a financial advisor or whether it's a mutual fund or ETF, you should have some idea of what you're doing there. So for me, it's obviously I learned from trial and error. Unfortunately, I lost a lot of money initially, but Became a little bit more savvy. I went to some conferences on syndication investing, did a weekend course on apartment investing, and that kind of thing. So that really helped, kind of jumpstart my knowledge. And then when we started Leftfield Investors, we uh, looked for people to uh, join us, and and we started a forum, which was very very helpful because when you you know talk about learning from people's experiences. <clears throat> When you have two or three people talking about a sponsor that they did not like, then I think you're going to probably stay away from that sponsor, at least do a lot more due diligence on that sponsor if you're still interested in them. And, And likewise, if you see someone or five or six or seven or 10 people who really love this sponsor, then you're going to be more apt to invest with them as well. So I think you really need to spend some money on your education and maybe join some groups like ours because it can really you know, flatten your learning curve and shorten time frames, and ultimately save you a lot of money. I think that's first and foremost. And then I kind of alluded to your network. I think you're, you know, someone said that your net worth is your network, right? So I think if you have a lot of people around you that can help you gain traction and whatever you're interested in investing, in, I think that's going to be very helpful to just have a nice big network around you. So it makes sense to just go ahead and maybe join these groups so you can Talk to people because, and in, in, in because of Zoom and and virtual network opportunities, it's it's not like you have to go across the street and talk to your neighbor, because most likely they're not investing in real estate, and and I'm pretty sure they're not investing in syndications. So those are you know some of the maybe the early lessons I would encourage people to look into.
1: Now you've kind of talked about being in different types of syndications, whether that yeah. be the oil and gas where you started or the real estate where you sounds like you mostly ended up. Mm-hmm. Is there a type of real estate that you prefer to be invested in storage mm-hmm. units versus mm-hmm. apartment buildings versus office buildings, that kind of a thing? Do you have a preference or does it matter?
2: Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I've been in a lot of syndications and currently I'm in over 50 syndications. I have a pretty wide variety of things I've done and certainly did not uh, wish I was in the oil and gas ones, but anyways, <laughs> people can make money in oil and gas. I was just in with the wrong people. One of my chapters in the book is invest in boring. And what I mean by that is, yeah, don't get into these really cool assets like oil and gas and international resort properties. I'm actually in some of those, by the way. They have not cash flowed, <laughs> so that's why I <laughs> mention it. I invested in a coffee farm in Panama six, seven years ago, and still haven't seen anything from that one too. So yeah, so you get, you can get. I was, I was uh, guilty of FOMO, and I think that when you look at some of these really crazy ideas that yeah they're crazy ideas maybe they, they they'll work out in the end but they're really not cash flowing for me right now so so invest in borg so what i mean by that is apartment complexes you know everyone needs to live somewhere so apartment complexes are, are are a great asset class they've been taking a hit here lately as as you know because of the rising interest rates but uh, i think overall they can be a a, a great cash flowing asset for you you can diversify by sponsors. You can diversify by location. You can diversify by is it an A class or a B class of apartment complex? But the nice thing, you know, the and one of the big aspects of apartment investing is you can get really good passive losses because of bonus depreciation from apartment complexes more so than some of the other asset classes. Um, but other boring asset classes would be self-storage. I'm in a, a, a large self-storage fund right now, and that cash flows pretty nicely. Things like industrial triple net leases, where this one sponsor that I work with have invested, what they'll do is they'll look at the business first and foremost, and then some of these businesses just want to sell their property that they're in, and they just want to be, it's called a leaseback, where they'll go ahead and rent from the new owner, if you will, and the sponsor, in other words. That's a nice cash flow play as well. That's you know it's a, it's essentially a warehouse. That's pretty boring, but it cash flows nicely. You get nice tax breaks, and and at the end, after four, five, six years, they they'll sell the asset off to someone else, and then you probably will get a nice appreciation play on those as well. Yeah. so those are some boring assets that I like and, and mobile home parks as well are, is a nice one uh, there's even you can even do ATM funds where you know that little two foot by three foot piece of real estate that's sitting there at the 711 you can actually make some money off of that so there's a lot of capital raisers who raise money for ATMs and that has been really golden in terms of uh, cash flow because you it's it's, it's a seven-year play and you well, Probably within two or three months, you're getting a, a very um, steady uh, check in your in your bank account for seven years. So that's that's also boring, but it's also very nice for cash flow, and and you get nice ca- tax breaks in that as well.
1: Can you talk a little bit more about the tax breaks and how that works? Maybe to offset mm-hmm. some of the W two income that a physician may have.
2: There's different buckets of tax breaks. So there's active income, there's passive income, then there's portfolio income. So. Active income would be, you know, for a physician would be what you're making at the office and that kind of thing. So that's considered active income. The only things I can think of that can offset active income is oil and gas, because what you do is in the first year of of an oil and gas syndication, you're actually, a, I may be saying this wrong, but you're considered a general partner for that first year. And because of the depreciation, you could take a huge percentage of that off in that first year. And then when, during the second year, you actually become a limited partner. That's one one way, one avenue where you can actually offset your active income. The more common way would be, let's say, one husband and wife, let's say the husband is the physician and the wife maybe has a part-time job or doesn't work full-time, but she can actually do what's called real estate professional status by maybe owning some rental units. And because she, you know, she may be actively managing those units. She can actually qualify as a real estate professional. There's a bunch of different criteria, but if you can do that, you can actually offset all of the rental income to offset, and I'm sorry, the rental expenses and and that kind of thing, you can actually offset that with the active income as for the physician spouse. That's one way you can do, you can take, um, you can get breaks from the active income for the Portfolio income, that's usually stocks and mutual funds and that kind of thing. So there's long-term gains and there's short-term gains. So the short-term gains is under 12 months. If you hold a Tesla stock for 11 months and then you sell it, you're going to pay short-term gains on that. And that's typically based on your ordinary income tax rate. And then of course you have long-term, if you hold a stock for a year, then you have, there's different brackets, I think a couple of different brackets for the long-term gains on that. So those, the portfolio gains and losses are typically, if I'm, if I remember correctly, they're only through the stock market losses and gains and that kind of thing. So if you have losses and some mutual funds, and then you, then you have some gains, you can just do that before the end of the year and those will offset each other. Okay. Then, but the easiest or the best, what a lot of tax planners will talk about it, the best type of income is what's called passive income. So there's, and these would be mainly real estate. So if you own rental real estate, that could be considered a passive income. If you are part of a syndication that owns an apartment complex, you will have passive income as well. And the nice thing about that is you can actually offset that passive income with depreciation because mostly, most of the time they will do a cost, what's called a cost segregation study. They'll break down the different components of the actual physical property you can't do the land, but uh, anything that's in the property, you can break down. And because of what's called bonus depreciation, uh, this year, well, it's slated to be 60% bonus depreciation. Hopefully, there's some talk in Congress right now that they may go back to the 100% bonus depreciation the first year, and wow. it may even be retroactive for ne- for 2023 as well. So, But wow. anyway, that'd be great if that happens. But the nice thing about the passive Depreciation losses is you can offset any passive gain. So let's say let's say you invested hundred thousand dollars in an apartment complex this year, and then you make let's say you make five thousand dollars in some cash on cash this year. Well, with the depreciation, even if it's just sixty percent, you'll probably be able to offset that. So you're not gonna be, you're not gonna pay any taxes on that because you'll have let's say forty forty thousand thirty thousand dollars of passive losses on that apartment complex that'll be on your K1 that you get at the next year. So that, that $5,000 that you made will be offset. So you're not gonna pay any taxes on that. And then whatever you don't use, that can be carried forward. So all the passive losses that are unused get carried forward to pre, to next the next year, the subsequent years until they're used up. So because I'm in so many syndications, I have a lot of <laughs> unused passive losses. And then I know your audience is a lot of physicians if you own a surgery center or an imaging center as a radiologist or an infusion center, dialysis center, those kinds of things, most likely you're not materially participating as an owner, if you will. And so you're considered a limited partner in that syndication, in that LLC, most likely. So for example, I'm an owner of my surgery center. And because of the passive losses from my real estate syndications, I haven't paid tax on my passive income from my surgery center for at least five or six years, mainly because of my real estate depreciation losses that are just paper losses. So that's been a really nice way to kind of rev up your personal income because you're not giving away to Uncle Sam. I think for physicians, especially if they own one of these centers, it's a really, syndication investing is a really, really nice way to offset a lot of that passive income you're making.
1: Now, we had talked before taping today about Leftfield Investors and how you started it and really what it is and how it benefits uh, people who join that. Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for asking. So Leftfield Investors, well, first of all, I should explain the name. So it's a weird name and it sounds kind of like Bigger Pockets. I always like that name too, but we wanted to get a quirky name. And the reason for Leftfield Investors is because when When you tell your neighbor that you're investing in real estate, sometimes they'll look at you like you're out in left field. So that's how we came up with a name. So we said, well, left field investors kind of sounds cool. And so we jokingly, we call people who invest in the stock market and bonds and mutual funds, we call them right fielders. And I consider myself a center fielder because I have 401k investing in mutual funds. And then I'm investing in in these real estate syndications. But anyways, yeah, we started in... 2020 around we were supposed to have it was supposed to be a local meet with about 12 of us and we were going to meet at a restaurant and talk about passive investing only a couple of us knew jim the other well one of the founders and i were going to teach people about passively investing in syndications and maybe make this a monthly meeting or quarterly meeting but well back in 2020 something called COVID happened and all the restaurants closed yeah (laughs) Yeah, all the restaurants were closed down, so we couldn't meet. And so we said, well, maybe we should try this Zoom thing. And so we we did that. And then we've been having monthly meetings almost ever since, and even more daytime meetings uh, as well. Anyway, so our group is an educational and networking group. On our website, LevfieldInvestors.com, you could see a bunch of blogs. We have some links to other other great articles. We have a library that shows like what kind of books you can read about to learn about passive investing, in syndications, and we have a popular podcast called Passive Investing from Left Field that uh, Jim Piper is the host of. And we also have an inner circle membership group called the Infield where we have tools that can help. You know, people will. You know, I, th- I think some of the fears of syndication investing is what do I ask people uh, syndicators especially. So we have a tool called the sponsor screener, and it has dozens and dozens of questions you can ask the sponsor. And then we also have what's called a deal analyzer, because if you look at some of these executive summaries or investment summaries, there's a lot of terms on there, there's a lot of numbers on there that you may not be familiar with if you've never invested in these so we have this thing called a deal analyzer which you just plug in the numbers you just kind of find it on the different pages and you just plug in the numbers into this spreadsheet and it kind of gives you a yay or nay because it'll turn red or green and it'll tell you if that's in the right parameters so it kind of gives you a little bit more confidence but i think that the the main thing is the networking and especially in our forum we have a private forum a lot of you are probably familiar with the bigger pockets forum that's a huge public forum ours is private so that people can talk freely in there. We don't have to worry about sponsors getting in there and finding out what we've said about them and that kind of thing because getting back to my lessons learned what you know if I had even just a few handful of people that I knew back in 2016 or 2009 when I was starting out in syndication investing, I would have saved a lot of money. So in these forums, there's a lot of comments about a lot of different sponsors out. There's a lot of talk about the different deals and what, are you investing this? Or why not? You know, there's a lot of different things like that, that we talk about every day just comments that are coming on, you know, multiple comments and, and posts every day in our private forum. So that's where I think a lot of people get the most benefit. And we also have an, an annual meeting here in Columbus, Ohio, where most of us founders are from. We're going to be at some of the other meetings as well.
1: It sounds to me like joining a group like that would help someone who doesn't know where to start talk to people who have already done it, find out, you know, the types of investments that, you know, have made sense for them. This type of group just sounds like a win-win to me.
2: Yeah, that's a perfect way to summarize it because a lot of people are interested in investing in real estate. A, they either have no time or B, they don't know where to start. And if, and like I said, I think syndication investing is one of the easiest and best ways to do it. You, you can get really some nice cash on cash returns. And then after the deal goes full cycle, which means the deal has sold and may take three years or four years or seven years, usually you have enough appreciation at that time, you might be able to get a nice return. And that's where actually most of your return will happen is at the end when they sell the deal. So, this is just a great way to get familiar with terms, just get familiar with syndications in general and in real estate. Uh, really, if you have no experience in real estate at all, I think joining, joining a group like ours is a great way to start.
1: And then you kind of also mentioned that you're not actually a syndication yourself, but you actually put people in touch with different programs and have like meet and greets or luncheons. To try and, yeah, put people in touch with each other, kind of the middleman there.
2: Right. Yeah. We like to say that we bring sponsors and limited partner investors together. So sponsors are always looking for more investors and investors are always looking for the next best sponsor. So this is just a, a great avenue for that. We have different types of webinars, what's called a lunch and learn, where we would bring in a sponsor. They can talk about their asset class and why, or maybe their location and why is Dallas a great location, that kind of thing. We have what's called deal webinars where they can actually present their deals. People can ask questions during that and then they're all on our YouTube channel as well and you can go through the deal webinars. And if you're comfortable with them, you should pick up the phone and call the sponsor and ask them even more questions to get more comfortable with them. So there's a lot of introductions at Leftfield Investors. And then you, yeah, we do not co-GP or capital raise for specific sponsors. We try to be as neutral as possible because I think in order to be to do what we don't want to have it, we don't want to be tainted by going with this sponsor only or that sponsor only because I think we really want to try to open it up to as many sponsors as we can that we think are reputable so that our investors can have a bigger base of sponsors to look at.
1: Any other words of wisdom you could tell the audience? Anything to watch out for? Anything you did, the void? <laughs> yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. So, like I said, my book does have 20 different lessons. Yeah. I think one thing is people discover, and this I was guilty of this too back in 2009 people just dis- people are frustrated with the stock market it's not doing as well as they they wanted want to so then they discover the world of syndications and because it is so easy to invest in there if you have a, a big bolus of money let's say you have half a million dollars sitting there in your bank and just get, you know getting interest and then also you discover syndications people will say like hey you know what i could just start investing this and so then they talk to truth sponsors. they really like them and then they in six months now their money is all invested well one of the downfalls or syndications is the money is illiquid. Once you put it in there, you're not going to see that money for five years, maybe seven years, sometimes even 10 years. So it's very illiquid. So that's one of the negatives, if you will. But people can also say, well, that's also a positive because you are keeping it in there. I look back at some of the stocks that I used to own back in the 2000s, if I still had them, they, they would be doing pretty well right now. So, but anyways, yeah, I think, I think with, investing, when you find syndications and and you think that's the avenue you want to go down, I think you really need to take your time with investing. And maybe, like I said, well, depending on how much money you have, I think you have to really pace yourself. In other words, this is more like a marathon. It's not a sprint. And once you put that, once you deploy that money, you're not going to see it for a a while. Hopefully you'll get some cash on cash returns either monthly or quarterly, but, you know, that may not even start for six months in some syndications, depending on the the type of uh, operation they have. So, yeah, I, I think that's a key because I, again, if I had waited it out with those oil and gas syndicators, I probably would have found that, you know, after just doing one, I, if I had just sat around and just maybe not paid attention to the other deals, I certainly would have lost, would not have lost as much money as I did. And listen. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs>
1: Well, thanks for joining us today. And if anyone wants to look into your group, maybe join that, can you tell us again where to go?
2: Sure. Yeah. So the website again is leftfieldinvestors.com and it's free to join the newsletter, to get the newsletter, the weekly newsletter that we put out. If you want to join the infield, you can click on that link as well. I believe it's still only $199 a month. So it's, I'm sorry, $199 a year. So it's not that expensive for a lot of great information that can save you a lot of money. If you want to reach out to me directly, you could just email me at steve at leftfieldinvestors.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me there. And I sometimes I'll do some posts on on LinkedIn as well.
1: Sounds good. And you might remind everyone your name and how to spell it.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry. Steven with a V, Sue, S-U-H.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us. I have so enjoyed talking to you. And it sounds like you've learned all the lessons and you're very successful at this point.
2: Well, I don't know if I've learned all the lessons yet, but (laughs) I'm I'm still learning uh, every day. And I I learn all the time through our forum as well. But uh, I appreciate you having me on. This has been a a fun talk, Tammy.
1: Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And I hope you'll join us again next week for Grand Rounds.